are now tuning in to No One Watches Regular News No More Podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Bogart, and this is episode 20. Welcome back on this Friday. I have a few stories that I want to cover. The first story is about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is critical of the growing number of title belts that these fighters are holding, and this is what Floyd had to say. I don't want to knock no fighter, but I'm tired of seeing fighters after the fight. Everybody got a championship belt now. Now, boxing, all these belts is like trophies. The WBC, the WBA, uh, uh, the IBF and the WBO, y'all got to clean it. Y'all got to clean this shit up. Y'all have to clean this up. This is bad for boxing. Ain't there such thing as no super champion. You guys are just taking extra money from all these fighters, getting extra money from sanctioning fees. And, and this goes to... My company as well. We need we we gotta clean this sport of boxing up. This shit is this don't look good. Every when you look on TV now, everybody's a champion. You see all these fighters posing for you know posing with a belt, and then we got another guy at lightweight, which is uh, Ryan Garcia. And then I look at Ryan Garcia, and he's a pretty cool fighter, and I, I don't take a nothing away from him. He's with uh, Golden Boy, and I want and I wish him nothing but the best in his career. But before before you can and I seen Ryan for for an example Ryan Garcia is one of the fighters that got in the ring holding a WBC belt and holding another belt. This is not cool for the sport. Right. So you heard what Floyd Mayweather Jr. said, and uh, he is critical of the growing number of title belts. Um, Floyd Mayweather Jr. is the latest voice to criticize the growing number of championships in boxing. In an interview ahead of the title fight between Javante Davis, Tank Davis, and Leo Santa Cruz, Mayweather chastised those in boxing for the number of title belts throughout the sport, especially the sanctioning bodies with multiple champions within a single division. So you have more than one guy that's a champion in a single division. In my opinion, it does not make sense to have more than one guy that's a champion in one weight class or one division of this is not good for the sport of boxing Mayweather said during an interview with Showtime now when a fighter fights every fighter is a champion um there are four major recognized sanctioning bodies the WBA WBO IBF and WBC the WBA has super versions of its belts one of which is held by Davis and now Davis record is 23 and 0 with 22 knockouts Santa Cruz is 37-1 with 19 KOs. Mayweather even admitted that his own promotional company company deserves blame for the trend and they have followed the same, you know, the same platform. Uh, there's no such thing as a super champion. Mayweather said, you know, you guys, you guys are just taking extra money from these fighters, getting extra money from sanctioning fees. So Floyd Mayweather is saying clean up the sport of boxing. However, people are labeling Floyd Mayweather hypocritical because himself, Floyd Mayweather, has held numerous titles. So people are saying, you know, he's not the one to talk and criticize what's going on. He has contributed to what's happening now. But I see his point where he says there is no point of having multiple champions in a single division. Like it says here that the WBA has super versions of his belts. That makes no sense. So um, for for a lot of people, boxing is boring. Um, I've heard people say this, that boxing is boring, that the best fighters do not fight the best fighters. You know, you know they cherry pick. You know, people have labeled Floyd that fighter that cherry pick certain guys that he wanted to fight. 
So boxing has some issues. Um, people want to see the best boxers fight against the best boxers, not the best guy versus a guy that's not as good as him. So when you have somebody like Javante Davis, you want to see him fight the best fighters, not guys that, you know, we know that he can beat. And I see what Floyd's point is. It's just the growing number of belts, it just makes no sense to have more than one fighter in a division with uh, he's a champion. And it, and it makes no sense, and I agree. So that's what, what Floyd was saying. Uh, Floyd is critical of the growing number of title belts in the sport of boxing. This next story, uh, it says 10 bodies, at least 10 bodies found during search for Tulsa race massacre victims. Um, it says at least 10 bodies have been found, been found in an unmarked mass grave in a Tulsa cemetery where investigators are searching for remains of victims of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. A state official said on Wednesday, now you have heard people mention Black Wall Street numerous times, Black Wall Street, Black Wall Street, Black Wall Street. So people are very um, interested in the story of Black Wall Street because for black people, this was normal life back then to where even when you attempted to make progress and and strive in, in America, at some point, um, people would interfere in you being able to succeed. And this story, what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is a, a great example of what life was like for black people back then to where progress would be deliberately blocked and people would intervene and keep you from being able to move forward and be successful. So, so they purposely did things to hold you back. Um, what we are finding was an indication that we were inside a large area, a large hole that has been excavated into which is several individuals have been placed and buried into their location. This constitutes a, mass grave 10 coffins were discovered uh with what is presumed to be one person in each coffin um this is what a state official said carrie stackelbeck she said further examination was needed based on forensic evidence and uh, science um a descendant of a survivor of the massacre who was assisting in the search said it would take a considerable time to identify the remains and determine whether they were victims of the massacre. The search began on Wednesday and is the second this year after an unsuccessful search in another area of Oakland Cemetery ended in July. Tulsa Mayor, uh, Mayor G.T. Uh, Bynum, who first proposed looking for victims of the violence in 2018 and later budgeted $100,000 to find its previous searches failed to find victims has said efforts will be made to find any descendants of the victims who were identified. Oakland Cemetery in North Tulsa is near the Greenwood District where the massacre took place. The violence took place on the 31st of May and in uh, June 1st in 1921 when a white mob attacked Tulsa's Black Wall Street and killing an estimated 300 people, mostly black people, and wounded 800 more while robbing and burning businesses, homes, and churches. So the story goes that these white people were upset and jealous that these black people were building 
you know, gaining wealth and they were successful at it and they didn't like that. So they began to get upset and the attack, the massacre took place. The massacre, which happened two years after what is known as the Red Summer, when hundreds of African-Americans died at the hands of white mobs and violence around the U.S., has been depicted in recent HBO shows Watchmen and, and the Lovecraft Country. Um, so again, this was a time period where black progress could stop in a heartbeat. Within one or two days, white people would be so mad and upset at your progress that they will stop you with violence, kill you, murder you, etc. So that was that's what life was back then. And it's amazing that these stories are not told more and people are educated on the actual history that took place in right here in the U.S. Um, instead, this history is kind of hidden and people are told, you know, just get over that so much in the past. But I was reading recently how in Germany, the government gave Holocaust victims six hundred and sixty two million dollars because of the pandemic, you know, they had been struggling. So the government here in the U.S. and they can make amends and and right the wrong if they wanted to. But the problem is it's a very dark history. It's a very dark past that people do not want to revisit, like what happened at Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 with the Tulsa Race Massacre. So this is a part of history that people want to kind of erase and not think about that this occurred, but it did actually happen. Um, there was innocent black people killed by the hundreds of thousands. You know, when you go back and look at the trans-Atlantic slave trade, this this was actually a real thing. It occurred. Millions and millions of, of African people were enslaved for hundreds of years. You know, so that was a practice that people tend to water down now and i've seen people water down what actually happened when it comes to how life was for black people back then but this again this story at least 10 bodies found during search for the, the tulsa race massacre victim this happened in 1921 and they're searching for victims now a very sad story very tragic uh, but that was that was what life was back then. All right, so this uh, this next article is an article that ties into the article I just read. Uh, Public size with Trump says social media too influential on politics. President Donald Trump has long criticized social media and its influence on the spread of information, with polling suggesting the public also fears it has too much power over political news in a poll conducted on October 18th 76% of the 1,200 respondents asked said they felt the platform had too much influence on what political news people read. Only 6% of those asked in Washington Examiner YouGov poll said the platform had too little while 11% said they had about the right level of influence as well as this 39% of respondents said they felt social media content bans are biased against Republican compared to 9% who said who said they were against Democrats 
A majority, 55%, said they believe Congress should regulate big tech companies to limit potential political bias. A quarter, 25%, uh, said Congress should not do this. I do think that, that it should be a limit of content. For example, whenever you see a police shooting, I think it's not a good idea to post these images online. It's very graphic. I, I think these should be banned. Because what it does is it creates a heightened fear, anxiety, paranoia. Um, and it could trigger a violent behavior in how people respond to police officers, how they feel. It, it could persuade them in their behavior towards law enforcement. That's what I don't like. So I do think that it should be some kind of limit on the content you see. And it should be some kind of regulation. While criticizing social media platforms, potential bias must most respondents did say they think they should restrict content they believe to be false. Of those ads, 57% said they think this should be the case, while 34% said they should not restrict such content. The polling has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.7%. Now, dig this. Trump has criticized Twitter. His use of the platform has increased in the run-up to the election when compared to 2016. So Trump criticizes Twitter, but he uses the platform. That's the contradiction. Trump recently tweeted that he is running against the big tech companies, the, the big tech giants, as well as Democratic a presidential candidate, Joe Biden. He wrote, I am not just running against uh, Biden. I am uh, running against the corrupt media, the big tech companies, giants, and the Washington swamp. It is time to send a message to these wealthy, liberal hypocrites by delivering Joe Biden a thundering defeat on November 3rd. So the biggest fear for a lot of people is, what if Donald Trump wins? Um... There have been calls for, from Republicans for reform of Section 230, protections of social media sites, a provisions of the Communication Decency Act of 1996. Uh, this gives sites, including social media platforms, protection if they are hosting content from third party. If it comes when Trump teams, Trump's team having recently criticized Twitter after it limited the spread of a recent New York Post article about Hunter Biden. Now, I, I saw this. The site was accused of actively interfering in the, in the 2020 election after the initial blocking of the story. The site reversed course on its decision with Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey stating its actions were wrong. The polling also asked about Hunter and whether respondents thought his father has or has not been honest about his son's business activities in foreign countries. Of course, he's not going to be honest. He does not want people to think about him in a certain way. So once you build yourself up, once you build this character up, this is the character you have to portray. Even when you're being dishonest. And this is what people have to understand. Even when... You think you're a politician that you're hoping to win, like Joe Biden and Trump, are being honest. I guarantee you at some point they are being dishonest 
and they're misleading the American people. They always do it. Among the 1,200 respondents, 45% said they thought he had not, and 47% said they think he has. So again, they don't know for sure. But all I know is that the story about Hunter Biden was not posted. So that's a clear bias. When it comes to news, when it comes to journalists, you have to be honest about what you put out. Don't be so concerned with being first. Be concerned with the truth. And this is the issue that the American people are having when it comes to politicians. I cannot trust you if you're being dishonest about what's going on. You're not being upfront. And this is what drives people to feel some kind of way when it comes to politics. Again, this article says public size with Trump says social media is too influential on politics. I believe it to be true. I've seen it. The influence on both sides, you know, uh, the support for the Democrats as well as the, the support for the Republican Party. You know, people are going to develop their own bias and, and their own agenda. And who they think you should support. So yes, it is a, a it is a form of picking a side, and that's what I've seen. All right. So this next story is about two rappers beefing over a woman. Um, YFN Lucci takes shot at young boy never broke again over Regine Carter lyric. At 21 years old, young boy never broke again already has six children. But that didn't stop him from rapping about trying for another one with Lil Wayne's daughter, Regina Carter. On his top version of Jay-Z, The Story of OJ, Youngboy suggests that having a kid with Regina would be monumental. Now, is it me or does this guy plan on having children with famous women? Well, with women... Who are the daughter of somebody famous, like Floyd Mayweather's daughter? So NBA YoungBoy uh, at one point was involved with her. Now she's pregnant, and people are saying that it's his child. I'm trying to convince um, Feet to tell Regine how big the shit gonna be if we have a baby. He wraps around two minutes into the video. The suggestive lyrics seemingly didn't sit well with YFN Lucci, who has an on-again and off-again relationship with Regine. When the lyrics were posted on the Shades Room Instagram account, Lucci hopped in the Lucci hopped in the comments, and this is what he wrote: "Young boy is a real bitch in person." That's what he said: "A real bitch." At this point, it's unclear if Youngboy saw Lucci's comments because the rapper's Instagram was deleted last month. As for Lucci and Regine, it says HNHA points out that the couple could possibly be back together after they posted photos of matching meals on Instagram. Either way, we'll keep you posted if this mini feud progresses any further. Again, two men uh, beefing over a woman. YFN Lucci is involved with Regine. Young boy never broke again. Takes a shot at his girl and suggests that he wants to have a kid with her and that'll be monumental because he wants to win. 
And that's what NBA boy wants to do is have babies with women whose fathers got money. And and then if that's his plan, hey, man, if it works for you, then it works for you. But I don't think I want to put myself in that position to where a man is coming at me over a shot that I took at his girl. I don't want that those problems in my life. So this is the last story that I'm going to do um, for this podcast, episode 20. Uh, it says black voters are tired of being taken for granted. But before I get into this story, uh, I want to discuss the title of this podcast. We all can't win. Now, the first story I went over was Floyd Mayweather Jr. was talking about how it's too many fighters, too many champions in the fucking boxing. Is You cannot have multiple champions in one division. He was saying the sport of boxing needs to clean this up. It looks ridiculous. So you got Javante Davis, who is 23-0 with 22 KOs. A great fighter, a great future champion. But not everybody can be like Javante Davis. So what separates Javante Davis from all the other fighters is his work ethic, is his hard work. Um, he wants to be a champion, not just a guy that gets a participation trophy or belt just for being in that division. So you have multiple multiple fighters in one division. So in, in life, that's how life is. Do not be that one that just does enough to get by. Go above and beyond your call of duty. Do more than what you are asked to do. Uh, make sure your work ethic is on point. You know, you have to cross all your T's, dot all your I's, make sure all your, your eggs are in one basket, you know, put all your ducks in one row. So be that person that does not want to settle for a participation trophy just for being there. You want to win at all costs. You want to work hard. You want to do what it takes to get the job done despite extra resistance and that's what you want to do so when you look at yourself in the mirror you know ask yourself what can i do to do better don't half-ass do shit you know one thing that kills me when people half-ass do shit you could do more but you're too lazy to do it you don't want to do it you you don't want to think through problems you don't want to problem solve you want to take the easy way out because it's easy for you because you think it's extra work now, the person that does the extra work gets more, you know, and that's how it should be. The person that does the extra work, that does more, should get more. Not the people that settle, that want to do less. They get the same amount as a person that works harder than you. That's not how equality works in America. So when people scream equality, sometimes it's unfair because people that work harder than you should not be willing to kick in and give you what you think they owe you, but you're not willing to put the work in or work harder. That's not how it should go. So we all can't win. It's true. We all can't win. But are you doing all you can do to ensure that you can win? And that's the message that I wanted to get out in this podcast was we all can't win, but make sure you do all you can do to win. So let's get into the story. Uh, black male voters are tired of being taken for granted. So in this article, black male voters are tired of being taken for granted. Again, black male voters are tired of being taken for granted. You know, um, 
the young black men are not the same as the older black men who who might have grew up during the time where it was civil rights and you know they don't feel as compelled to vote for the democratic side because it's a tradition and it's what black people do so in our culture race-based politics is a practice and it shouldn't be a normal practice we should have a objective view when it comes to politics not votes excuse me, not vote based on race because we are used to voting Democrat. I feel like if when you vote, you vote for the person that you know is going to give you the most favor. Even if it's a Republican, you vote for the Republican over the Democrat. So one thing in this article that was very interesting, it says right here, uh, while progressive Democrats better pose to appeal to this segment of voters is not at all assured that they will or can do so. Young black Americans told us they would not be taken for granted simply because their parents and grandparents vote for Democrats. Specifically, young black Americans tend to view Democrats much more. Uh, no, excuse me, much less than they do with Republicans. Now, their older peers favor Democrats. They don't favor Democrats like that, like they did. You cannot use less of the two evils. You cannot use where your ancestors, your ancestors died for your right to vote. You cannot use that when it comes to, to convincing young black male voters to vote for the Democratic side. Uh, when it comes to Joe Biden and his past, you know, he's viewed as a racist. Young black men don't want to be ignored. You know, when it comes to the behavior of Trump and is seen as his behavior is racially charged. And it's debated on whether or not he's a racist or not. When you look at Joe Biden and his. And his association with the criminal justice reform that impacted a lot of black Americans. Now, this plays a role in how they vote. Black voters more seriously due to issues of race and racism, or excuse me, uh, due to issues of race and systematic racism, the campaign party and candidate that wins the black vote swing stands to be in power well into the foreseeable future. So young black male voters are the swing vote now. They are the swing vote. Black women in the last election voted more than black males. Black males caught the heat for that. I said this in the last podcast, Blame Black Men, uh, when I discussed a hashtag that was um, trending. And I talked about how in the last election, black men who didn't vote, we were to blame for it. Now that we are still undecided on who we should vote for, we're not convinced It says right here, one surprising find keeps popping up across these studies, which helps explain why the campaigns are focusing attention on young black men. Unlike their male counterparts, black women not only vote at higher rates than black men, but they are also the most loyal of all Democratic voters. So this is true. Black women are more loyal to the Democratic Party than black men. Black men are not that loyal to the Democratic Party.
when you look at what happened to George Floyd and poli- police brutality, surprisingly enough, surprisingly enough, this is not enough to get the attention of young black males to vote for the Democratic side. They don't feel compelled to because of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake. They don't feel compelled and and it's based on what they're seeing from both sides. Joe Biden has not 100% convinced black men that they should go vote. Um, it says right here, consider, for example, President Trump released last month his platinum plan for black America's win, which campaign officials promised to provide $500 billion in capital. That's not really true. To create 3 million new jobs in black communities and to eliminate longstanding disparities in health care education among black Americans. And to sweeten the deal for voters to reelect Donald Trump, whom polls show lagging far behind his Democratic challenger Trump pledge to make Juneteenth, Juneteenth a federal national holiday. For his part, Democratic nominee, uh, former VP Joe Biden, flushed with Campaign cash is flooding TV airways with campaign commercials that leave no doubt about its intended audience, black men. Again, black men, young black males are the swing vote now. They're undecided. So there was two commercials that I saw, and I was offended by it. One was a rap battle, a cypher, where the, the, the commercial was based on getting black men to vote. The other one was a video of black women stripping and the theme was theme was get your booty to the pole. So you had black women stripping and this was the way that the Democrats thought the best way to get their attention because they don't think in think in an educated way, I guess. They think that we're so low to where rap music and strippers are the best way to get our attention. Well, this is what they did. And this and these TVs, uh, TV ads, these commercials was meant to target black, young black voters. I don't think it worked. It says this, but such a view overlooks the diversity among black Americans in our black swing vote project, voter project. A study conducted earlier this summer, a group of American university colleagues and I revealed that black voters are not as loyal to the Democratic Party or its candidates as so many political observers and pundits imagine. Rather, they are a set of richly complex swing voters. Uh, in between voting for Democrat and not voting at all. This is this is especially true for young black male voters. So they are torn. Do you vote for the Democratic side or not vote at all and risk Trump getting in for a second term and being blamed for it? So the black male, the young black men are the swing voters. They are undecided on who they vote for. They are not convinced like the older elders are. Less of the two evils. That's not good enough to convince Young black men to vote. Uh, it says right here for those black Americans born between 1990 and 2002 who are new to the voting booth, the choice of political participation may be a low point. 
Unlike the, their elders who came up with fresh memories of civil rights activism, younger black Americans aren't willing to tolerate voting for the lesser of two evils. They would just as soon stay home than compromise of their ide- idealism. So you, you can't convince them to say, well, let's just vote for the lesser of the, of the two evils. That's not good enough. It won't work. You have to be able to engage young black voters. And like the last campaign, in, in this campaign, the Democratic Party failed to do so. When I look at the Republican Party, this is true. I see that they are more engaged when it comes to the young black male voters. I've seen this with my own two eyes. So I'm seeing young black male voters lean toward the Republican side. You have a, believe it or not, you have a lot of black male voters who are voting in secrecy when it comes to Donald Trump and Mike Pence. You have a lot of black male voters, young black men, and some older. They are voting in secrecy. So you have a great divide among black people when it comes to who they should vote for. I agree, young black men, do not let them take you for granted no more. Do not let them tell you that it's lesser of the two evils. Do not let them tell you that your ancestors died, your ancestors died for your right to vote. You cannot use that same bait no more. It don't work. You have to be able to engage and get the attention of young black male voters. The Republican Party used a guy who can say anything he wants to, and it sounds bad, and it'd and it be funny half the time. But somehow they managed to engage with the young voters. And this is where the Democratic Party failed. And this is why you have black swing voters. This is why you have black secret voters who will vote for Trump. And this is what you're seeing unfold right now in this election. So this article, black male voters are tired of being taken for granted. And I see why, because you cannot use the same bait. You cannot fool me with a commercial with a hip hop music and rap. You cannot use strippers to get my attention because you think low of me. All right. So that wraps up my podcast for this episode, episode 20. I will be back real soon with episode 21 on Monday. Y'all have a good weekend and see you soon. Thank you for listening to No One Watches Regular News No More podcast hosted by me, Kerry Bogar. Stay tuned for more topics. <laughs>